This is Francesca Morfini, and you're listening to Femme Studios. In this podcast, I sit down with women from Toronto, artists, entrepreneurs, and leaders in their own fields who have made a mark in the city and beyond. We talk about their career and growth, how they got to where they are today, and all the little learnings they picked up along the way. Today I sit down with two women behind Trust, a cannabis beverage company based in Toronto. Meet Mel Smith, who leads innovation, and Lori Hatcher, who leads marketing. Trust is one of the few companies that focuses only on beverages and parents five different brands that are catered for very different customers and very different moments in which you can consume cannabis. In this episode, we talk about gender diversity within the cannabis industry, commitment to product over profit, and what advice they wish they could have given their younger selves at the start of their career. Mel and Lori, why don't you guys uh, tell me a little bit about yourselves to start and just let the audience know, you know, who you are and what kind of work you do at Truth. I'm Mel, uh, Mel Smith, and I sit on the marketing team with with Lori um, and our colleague Chaman, and I'm really focused on innovation. So leading the portfolio strategy and development of our brands and products, not only that we've brought to market so far, but a really exciting pipeline of products uh, still to come. Hey guys, I'm Lori. I'm the head of marketing at Trust Beverage Co. And I've had a super long career in marketing. Uh, My passion is food and I worked for 15 years on brands like Cheerios and Old El Paso and Pillsbury and Betty Crocker. And um, so really building some of those really iconic brands that are in everyone's household. Um, and, And then I really pivoted. So I took that experience on kind of those brands that are in everyone's households. And I went into luxury apparel. I spent two years at Canada Goose as they were uh, going global. So it was an amazing opportunity to work on a brand, a Canadian brand uh, going global. And that kind of brought me to trust uh, where I have the opportunity to kind of take that food experience, my passion for food and beverage um, to build brands completely from scratch. We're building a brand new uh, industry, cannabis, a brand new category and a brand new organization and brands from scratch from here in Toronto. Amazing. Um, Well, I'd love to hear more about how you guys got into cannabis, because I'm sure that when you were, you know, graduating from, you know, university, you didn't think that you'd be working in what at the time was an illegal space. So uh, I'm curious, did you guys ever like when did you start realizing that cannabis was uh, a viable career path? It's so funny. My friends and I joke about that all the time, that no guidance counselor ever really told me that this was going to be a viable option, but uh, it's been amazing. Um, I'm not sure kind of the the pivot point where I realized that this was something I would move into. I mean, it's incredibly rare that a new industry, especially of this size, emerges essentially overnight. And it, it really is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be part of something like that and laying the foundation for, you know, what I expect to be, you know, years and years to come. Um, and so I've been a can- uh, cannabis consumer for, you know, most of my adult life. Um, so it's been part of my, my world, but I really didn't consider making the jump over into cannabis until the legalization of the 2.0 products um, in 2019. And, you know, while I think there's lots of room for building differentiated brands within that dried flower segment, I really saw beverages as this, you know, huge 
just having huge potential to do, offer something really different to Canadian consumers. Um, it's a format that most people likely have never experienced before. And I think it's just a really great approachable way to introduce a ton of new consumers that we know are interested in cannabis, but, you know, maybe up until this point, there's been barriers. So I got really, really excited about beverages specifically and 2.0, just with what we could build from scratch. So I guess, you know, probably late 2018 is when I really started considering and, you know, very quickly found myself with the right opportunity at Trust and made the move in 2019. All right. So it was right around uh, legalization. Well, I guess we never call it 1.0, but kind of 1.0 legalization. Yeah, yeah. All right. And Lori, what about you? My story is pretty similar to Mel. Um, when, when we started talking about legalization in, in Canada, I, I was really, really interested. Um, I've seen what cannabis can do uh, for people's lives, um, uh, for family members, for friends. And I really thought it was an opportunity to kind of build something brand new in Canada from scratch. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of co uh, old colleagues I have entered the space really early. And I did talk to um, companies, um, but I wanted to be really intentional about it. Um, I wanted to make sure that when I entered cannabis, I was doing it kind of in the right way that was uh, reflective of my personal values. So what that meant was I was looking, if I went to cannabis, I wanted a company that put consumers first. I didn't want a company that was kind of here just to, with VC money, um, seeing this as an opportunity to make money. I wanted them to have values that were about the consumer, um, I wanted a company that was really going to focus on building amazing product. Um, cannabis is a consumer good. So I wanted to make sure they were focused on building the very best product. And then finally, I thought there was an opportunity to build real brands. I think I said before in the intro that one of the favorite brands I've ever worked on was Cheerios. And Cheerios started, uh, General Mills started as a, a, a milling company. And Cheerios were just oats. And it was really building that brand out of the oats um, that is, is really exciting part. And with Trust, we were really just focused on the consumer on product and then building real brands that could make a difference in people's lives. So although there were, I was always interested in cannabis, I wanted to make sure that the company fit for me. And, and that's what I found. That's what I found with Trust. So that's why I made the move to this company versus some of the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, it became a very crowded space very quickly and it can be so hard as a customer to know the difference between all the different brands out there and a lot of it has to do with, you know, the regulations in place but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's very challenging as a brand to um, to find your space in Canada as, as a cannabis brand <laughs> specifically. <laughs> yeah, um, so how did you guys get into cannabis like, you know, Mal, you mentioned you, you've been consuming for many years and, you know, Laura, you as well, but tell me about your first experience with cannabis. I feel like it's, everyone has a great story there. <laughs> it was, it was quite some time ago. I'll say that. Um, you know, I don't really have the, the those stories of kind of the, the terrible experience or anything. It, it was generally really good. It was always kind of in social settings with friends um, you know, I think I remember the first time and, you know, it was just friends hanging out. I'm from a small town. There's not really much to do. And, um, you know, I, I started using it pretty recreationally, uh, since then to whether it was wind down after work or on the weekends, 
Um, and it was working for me, but I would say as I started to get older and, um, you know, found myself in different social settings, it was, I was sort of looking for something that maybe wasn't smoking or where the, the lingering smell wasn't present. Um, it became a bit restrictive for where and when I wanted to consume cannabis because I didn't always feel like it was appropriate. There's nothing like, you know, walking into somebody's house or a party and you know that that smell is with you. It was just, it was really unpleasant for me. And so I didn't really love the traditional, traditional edibles. Um, I felt like I, I had some really unpredictable experiences with those, just with, you know, kind of the, the usual stories of really late onset, sort of, is this working? I'll have another one in the meantime. And then, you know, an hour later, you're sort of like, whoa, this has all hit me. So I couldn't really find my groove between, you know, edibles and, and smoking and, and where and when that was appropriate. So I would say I've been a consumer um, of smoking where I felt comfortable, but I really, really love the new formats that are opening up specifically beverages, just because a lot of the, the negative baggage kind of falls away and you've got a, a product that doesn't necessarily have, you know, the, the stigmas with smoking and the smell. So um, overall, no like terrible experiences with it. It's been uh, part of my life for quite some time. And I know a lot of people that, uh, that it's really helped, um, you know, both for winding down and just as a great replacement to something like alcohol in a social setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I, I'm a big cannabis smoker and you know I smoke every night and I've been doing so for a long time and for some reason like up until very recently edibles just never sat right for me and it just goes to show like it's not necessarily about how how big of a consumer you are it really is like everyone has their own preferred method of consuming um the plant so uh, I totally hear you on the the kind of weird experiences with edibles but yeah I mean beverages are sitting in a bit of a different space I'd say Totally. And, and like I said, most people haven't had a beverage. They, they haven't really been around until 2019. So I was really curious uh, when I started at Trust what that first beverage experience was going to be like. Um, I didn't really have anything to compare to. I, I knew that it wouldn't be like smoking a joint um, and was hoping that it might not be like one of my traditional edible experiences, but I really didn't have that kind of framework for how I should feel. And so it was really, really, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, Lori and my Myself and the team spent a lot of time in the U.S. Um, while we were developing the portfolio, uh, and you know, trying some of the products in the U.S. You know, while while generally the actual beverage experience was positive, navigating the brands and products in the U.S. was kind of crazy. You, you'd pick up something that's in a a ready to drink bottle, something that looks like a single serve format. And, you know, you read the label and you find out that it's like a hundred milligrams of THC and you're only supposed to drink a no. capsule. Yeah. And oh it's my sort of goodness, like, that's a lot this, of THC. <laughs> yeah. And of course I never consumed the full thing, but just such a disconnect between, you know, the, the format and how you would be used to picking up and consuming a beverage and the potency. And so it, it took a while to navigate that, but I would say my experience with beverage was really positive in that, you know, that, that onset was much faster than I was used to with traditional edibles and very, very predictable. So, you know, over time, the more products we tried, that consistency of the experience and the onset um, was really, really nice. And, and, you know, while there were a lot of products that I felt weren't suited, um, you know, for the average consumer in the U.S. just being really high potency, um, you know, we as we were developing, finding these lower uh, dose products, you know, two, 2.5 milligrams really lets people try something 
that, that's quite low and, and kind of work up from there and see what's best for them. So it was a really interesting experience developing the products, but overall I, I fell in love with beverages really quickly. Yeah. What's that saying? Start low, go slow. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone has sort of their iteration of that, but it really is true. I mean, uh, every format, uh, you know, can, can impact people differently. Cannabis is such a personal experience. It really does depend on everything from your experience level, your, uh, what you ate that day, your, your height, your weight. And so, um, you know, with beverages, it's nice. You can, you can have a beverage, you can wait 15, 20, 30 minutes, see how you're feeling. And then, you know, you can always reach for a second. So we developed our portfolio to have a lot of those lower dose offerings um, so that they could be a bit more sessionable. And if you wanted to have a few of them, depending on how you're feeling, that could be an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So Lori, I'm waiting for you to share your uh, first cannabis experience. <laughs> I am too. I have, <laughs> your first, I have the bad cannabis experience, first experience. So oh. I'm a little bit older and we grew up in kind of the just say no era. So I would say we were very, very, no one talked about it. Um, and we were really, really uneducated, uneducated about cannabis. So the majority of my first experiences were experiences of overconsuming. So not being able to co- control the dose, um, you know, having too much and then kind of, kind of getting in my head. So that was kind of my, my pretty consistent experience for the early stages of my journey with cannabis so much that I actually took around 10 years off um, because it just wasn't working for me. And what I realize now having, you know, cannabis become part of my life again in the last, the last 10 years is that I really didn't take that journey and figure out what was right for me. One of the biggest things is that you need to figure out what's right for you, whether it's the dosing, whether it's the format and whether it's that type. And I only have really discovered that in the last 10 years. And for me, it's, you know, lower dose, kind of like the lighter micro dosing. Um, And um, again, that's like, that's why beverage really work for me and why I'm I'm really happy to be in the space because we can really control that dose is really, really consistent, the same every time. Um, and, um, I think the other thing is, um, it's great for social settings. Um, so, um, if you're in that social setting, uh, you can consume, there's no stigma. It's the same as, you know, picking up a glass of wine at a party. And so, so that has really, uh, been one of the big things that's, that's changed things for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so I had some of those, those bad experiences, both with uh, smoking and with edibles, um, in my early days. Yeah, I, I think I think like almost all of my early edible experiences were just tragic, like truly tragic. <laughs> oh no. Um. So okay. So I mean, I, I wanted to get a sense of you know why beverages, but I think we've had we have a clear idea of that. So I'm curious to hear what what do you guys wish you could change about the space or what are you hoping to change about the cannabis space? And I'm talking from both a consumer standpoint and like industry wise, like, is there anything you want to change about the industry? Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's all about diverse representation. When you think about cannabis users, it's an incredibly diverse group. Um, So for example, 40% of consumption is women. And 
we don't see that in the industry. So it is um, still very much a pretty male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And so one of, one, of, uh, w- one of the things we're trying to do at Trust is build an organization and a portfolio of brands that is representative of the amazing consumers within cannabis. And so we've been super, so that's what I'd like to change. And we've done a lot of work on it. So for example, at Trust, um, we have an all uh, female marketing team. We have an all female product development team. So I remember a year ago, it was early days. We were developing some of our new brands. We were sitting around around a table and I looked around at one point and every single person around that table was a woman and it was amazingly eye-opening, not just for cannabis, but also broader like alcohol and the beer industry. You don't see that very much. And I think kind of focusing on a more diverse employee base at trust has allowed us to focus more on the consumer, have a lot more empathy for different kinds of consumers, and then, and also build brands for different kinds of consumers. Like I'm really, really proud that within our portfolio, we have brands up like Little Victory who are really com- completely targeted to women. And that doesn't exist a lot yet in cannabis. Um, some, some companies are doing a great job, but other companies have a ways to go. And so that's what I'd like to change about um, the industry. And it's a big part of kind of my focus at, at Trust as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. I have some follow-ups on that, but um, before I get into it, Mel, why don't you, why don't you share that, share your, your side with me? I mean, I echo pretty much everything Lori said. It's um, like I said, it's really rare for an industry to essentially emerge overnight. And um, you know, you would, you would hope that a brand new industry opening up right now, you know, you could shed some of the baggage that other industries that have been around for for decades or hundreds of years have carried. And, and it's kind of unfortunate to see that in the, you know, couple years that since cannabis has legalized, we don't see that, you know, representation that, that you would expect. And so I think there's a long way to go for the industry um, as a whole to get a lot better in that sense. I'm equally proud, like Laurie said, about our team. And, and it's very, it's a unique experience for me too, working on um, just a dominated, a male or sorry, female dominated team, uh, both with marketing and product development. I think, you know, beyond that, the the retail landscape, um, it's getting there, but I'd just like to see it be a lot more inclusive. Like Lori said, the, the Canadian cannabis consumer is incredibly diverse, um, yet I still think there are a lot of barriers um, to attracting those consumers into cannabis retail. You know, I think about my parents and um, obviously I've introduced them to, to beverages over the past year or so and, and they've been loving them, but they they would not feel comfortable walking into cannabis retail today and, and sort of speaking with somebody and helping them navigate through the product assortment. So I think, you know, it's still new, but there's a lot there's a lot we can do to be more inclusive um, and make, you know, those consumers that are interested in cannabis uh, feel comfortable actually navigating the space, whether it's online or at traditional brick and mortar retail. Yeah. Because I guess it's not just an issue of stigma. Like even if we move past the stigma, it's like, okay, I have to go to this specific place, this specific dispensary, or I have to go online. And it's not, it's not the most accessible process for someone that already is kind of, is kind of questioning whether they should move forward with it. 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I completely understand the regulations, but, you know, not being able to see inside the store and it can be kind of daunting to walk up. And of course, you know, people like my parents, they have no idea that there's such a different offering of retail. You know, there's some that, you know, once you're inside it offer a very different experience than the next one. But I think it takes time to, to navigate that. And, um, you know, I just hope that that more and more the, the industry becomes a lot more inclusive and approachable for, for consumers that aren't uh, in that space today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, I'm curious to know kind of when you guys started ideating on both the products and I guess like all the different lines that are under the brand, um, where was the starting point? Because it looks like it's really set up thinking about the consumer first, but I'd love to know kind of the early stages. And, you know, uh, Lori, you mentioned that the team is really representative of the customer. So what was that process like? It was, yeah, it was an amazing process and it was a lot of fun. Um, so, and it was hard because not only were we trying to develop what a portfolio could be and, you know, beverages, it was a line of products that never had existed in the world. So like in marketing, you would normally have focus, go focus groups, you'd have concepts and you'd show them concepts. I mean, we couldn't even do that because it's, it's, it was so hard for consumers to even comprehend what this was. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had no example. Uh, so our approach was really all about occasions. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's cannabis beverages, but they are beverages. And I think Canadians, I think the number is there are 80 billion beverage occasions a year just in Canada, meaning like, and so what we said is what are, what are the major occasions uh, where people enjoy beverages where it makes sense to have a cannabis beverage? You know, so, and so then we identified what these, these big occasions were, are. So you could imagine ones a lot like alcohol, like, you know, a celebrate occasion when, when you're celebrating uh, with friends, like that's like a Prosecco occasion with, you know, some of my girlfriends on a Friday night. Um, you could have like a more like backyard yard barbecue occasion. That's more like a light beer occasion. Um, so you have a lot of those alcohol occasions and cannabis is a great alternate to alcohol But what's so exciting about cannabis is all the other occasions outside of, of you know, where alcohol traditionally would be. So we're talking about wellness. We're talking about alcohol for, sorry, uh, we're talking about cannabis for wellness needs states and wellness occasions like relaxing or um, helping with anxiety or helping you sleep. Um, Performance, people use cannabis to exercise and run or recovery post yoga. So we started identifying these big need states and then started to basically curate a portfolio that made sense against the needs of states, not just for only for cannabis, but you know, what would the products be? You know, what would the liquids be? Would it be a sparkling beverage? What kind of other you know, natural ingredients would be in this? What would the dosing be? But it really, really started on, you know, what are those major occasions? Um, what are those major occasions? And so, and what I forgot to say is um, also, yeah, who are the, who are those consumers? Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked to consumers, we had focus groups, we, we met with people, we like looked on message boards uh, to really define what that could be. And then now once we're in market, we're continuing to talk to consumers, bud tenders on how we can optimize this portfolio now that we're actually out there. Because the, really the proof is proof whether you went to the market and, and people actually try your product and experience it. Right. Like before then, you're kind of working off a, a hypothesis of your team, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I think that the technology emerges too at the same time. So like, like Lori said, we start with occasions and, you know, if, if you think about the cannabis beverage occasion and as just sort of THC or CBD, um, that can be limiting. I mean, THC where there's the, you know, the sort of more traditional high is one thing, but, but looking at the, the plant in general and looking at CBD, thinking about things like the minor cannabinoids, um, terpene profiles, it really does open up to the, the broader world of, of beverage occasions like Lori was mentioning. I mean, if you think about starting your day with a tea or a coffee, um, there's functional reasons that you do that, you know, having a soda or a sparkling water with your lunch and kind of moving through the day, beverages just fit so seamlessly in people's lives. And when you think about the potential with cannabis uh, beyond just THC and CBD, there's a huge opportunity to bring that wonder of the cannabis plant to those broader beverage occasions. Absolutely. I mean, I, I recently discovered about CBN, which is um, a minor cannabinoid that is great to help with sleep. And I'm sure there's so many. And the truth is that there just is, is still not a deep enough understanding of the plant because it really is so complex. And just, you know, like you said, with, um, with more innovation and more research, then we'll have, you know, even a better understanding of how we can, how we can utilize it to kind of better our, our to, to increase our quality of living. <laughs> Totally. Um, well, I, I'd love to hear, like, you know, we talked a lot about the product and the brand and, you know, th that's been great, but what, what advice do you guys wish you could have given yourselves when you kind of started in your career as more of like kind of a career advice? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, for me, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, like Lori, have experienced sort of that bigger, um, more CPG-focused companies. And I think when you're at companies like that, it can be really easy to get sucked into sort of a linear path of that next promotion. So I started as, as an assistant brand manager and, and you know, you're really eager to get that manager title and then you want your senior, senior manager title and then director. Um, but I think when you focus too much on that straight path, you often don't really collect a lot of really valuable skills and experience from, you know, cross-functional opportunities or lateral positions, or, you know, if you're the client, maybe flipping agency side. And so I think I wish, you know, I, I could tell myself to really reflect and think about what, what skills you're trying to learn, areas that you want to develop so that you can properly evaluate the opportunities that come your way and seek out opportunities that are going to be a bit more fulfilling and it, for me, it's always about telling your story in an interview. So don't worry so much about the progression from assistant to senior, uh, but making those thoughtful career choices with the intent to grow and learn, I think is a lot more interesting um, and commendable than just sort of moving up the ladder to check the box with titles. So I've been really fortunate that I have had a very nonlinear uh, career and I've collected a lot of unique experience but um, if I'm being honest it wasn't necessarily that intentional at the time it was sort of like this opportunity is presenting itself it's really interesting you know I'm, I'm going to take it and then looking back that's where I've really built the bulk of my meaningful experience that I think has gotten me to where I am today. Yeah I think um, the way that companies are structured um, I mean you know it's it's a it's an unfortunate uh, a fact that we're so set on like that next promotion. And it's almost like the minute we get one promotion, we're already thinking about the next one and we don't get to enjoy it. So oh, yeah. that, um, I love that. What about you, Lori? 
I think the biggest piece of advice I would give my younger self would be um, lead as your authentic self. I think when I started in my career, um, probably less women in leadership, less less role models than, than today. And I spelt, spent many, many years trying to show up like someone I wasn't and show up in a way that I thought um, um, everyone expected. And that would be a kind of more traditional kind of male form of leadership. And so I'd say I'd like over 10 years of showing up at work every day and not being your authentic self was frankly exhausting. And so I wish, you know, I could tell myself to uh, show up authentically and really figure out, you know, one, what fills you up? So what, what are you most passionate about? What makes you happy? When have you, at what point in your career have you been happiest? Um, two, like, what are the unique contributions? What can you offer an organization or um, a company? And, and then three, really think about what, what are your values? Like, what are your values? What will, won't you compromise on? And don't try to be someone you're not for a company. Instead, know what that you are, know what your authentic self are, answer those three questions, and then go find a company that fits for you. I wish I would have done that uh, in younger. Um, I've learned that recently, and it's brought me so much more happiness. I also say if, if, if you can't find a company that allows you to be your authentic self or that you don't fit, go build it yourself. You know, go do some, you know, go, go figure out yourself. Um, so I think that is, that would be the key message I would, I would send my, my, uh, younger, younger self. Oh, that's such great advice. I feel like at every little crossroad of my career, I will go to my unofficial mentors and kind of ask them for the answers. And they always tell me like, just figure out what you want. And then it'll be so easy, like figure out what your North star is and, um, you'll get rid of all the noise and the clutter and it'll be so easy to make that decision. And it also makes it a lot easier to, um, to receive rejections because, you know, when, you know, you could be applying for several jobs and, you know, especially in the past year, so many people are looking for a job and they'll receive rejection after rejection. And it can be so demoralizing, but with a rejection, you, you really understand that it wasn't a fit and it wasn't aligned with your goals. Otherwise it would have happened organically. And, um, and it, it does make it easier to move forward from it. Yeah. A big shift for me was also from one of my mentors, which is when you're interviewing, you need to interview the company as much as they're interviewing you. And you need to make sure that that fits for you and, and who you are as much as they're trying to figure out if you fit for them. So you know, it, it takes time. It took me a long time to get to this place, uh, but it's something that I, I would have liked to, to learn earlier for sure. So impromptu question for you, what would be some of the best interview questions that maybe you've received when you were interviewing someone or that you've maybe asked in an interview? My favorite interview question is um, for anyone is tell me about a time where you created the new and different. So that could be, that's my favorite interview question. It's, it, it can be work, it could be personal. And what I, what I try to get out of that is um, whether someone's a builder, their creativity, how, you know, when someone talks about that, they, they often talk about how they think, you know, how, you know, if you want to create the new and different, is it someone, you know, who's more about process and sequencing? Are they like a crazy big thinker? 
Um, I, I always find uh, you can learn so much from a person in that question. And you also hear amazing stories, amazing stories of what people have done in their lives. So that's my favorite. That's my favorite to ask. That's great. So would you ask that if you were interviewing someone or would you also ask that as a potential candidate for a position? Um, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would ask that if I was interviewing someone, yeah, for, for a position for sure. Sorry, did that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, you didn't, but I actually really, I love that, that answer and I'm going to note that down. But, um, but the question was, uh, if you are a candidate interviewing for a position, um, what, what are some good questions to ask? Right. Cause you were saying, oh, so I'm sorry interview- no, no. I mean, we got some great content out of it. So I'm not going <laughs> to <say it. laughs> Um, yeah. So some of the questions are really, really getting at, you know, um, the culture and, and sometimes you can't just, you know, you could start by asking what's the culture of the, of the place. And usually it's very, very, you know, really, really positive, sunshiny answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really, and I think that's it's super important to know you fit somewhere. So you could ask like, how are how are decisions made? How how are how are decisions made at this company? You know, um, so you know if it's a company where all decisions made at the top, and you might not be empowered, that could give you hints. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's always good. Also, it's like you know, if you're progressing, it's like, hey, can I talk to someone else in the role or a peer or or someone else to understand what the day to day job is like? I think that's, that's really important. Um, so th- those would be, those would be two. Mel, do you have any? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I was trying to think back one, one that comes up often and, and I know we've talked about it at trust. Um, I'm also just really interested, not even when I'm interviewing somebody, but just uh, as a personal question is um, I was asked once in an interview process it's kind of a spin on the whole, like, you know, what's your greatest strength and weakness, but it was framed up as what's your superpower. So what are you better at than most people? And then, you know, you know, you can tease an answer out of that, but then the follow-up is, well, then what's your kryptonite? And for me, it's really about getting at somebody's self-awareness, but also understanding your blind spots. So you're not going to be perfect at everything, but, but having that awareness of your gaps I think is really, really important, especially as you're assessing fit for the team, because everybody's going to have gaps, but sort of identifying how that's going to play into the dynamics of the team and the company, I think is, uh, is a good one. And uh, it's a really hard question to answer. I think if, if somebody answers it too quickly, um, it's probably not right. And, and that's fair, but uh, it, it's something that does take a lot of reflection. So um, I feel like very few people actually know what their kryptonite is. Yeah, it's a good point. I feel like in general, any answers that come too quickly are always a little bit like, ah, did you really think about that? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, you've obviously found tremendous success in your jobs and um, are, are quite fulfilled by it. But what do you think was essential to your success that without it, you, you wouldn't have been able to be where you are today. And this could be, you know, something specific to your character or, you know, maybe an introduction that was made or anything like that, that you look back and you're like, yeah, that, that was really a big part of why I'm here today. That's a good question. Um, for me, I think, I mean, there, there's many things I think that have factored into where I am today and my success at trust, but at the end of the day, I'm 
I'm sort of a connector of people, both in my professional life as well as in my personal. I'm really, really good at, at building cross-functional relationships. Um, and at the end of the day, when you have people rooting for you and, and you can call people up and get stuff done, that goes a very, very long way in any company. And so I've always taken the time to really get to know people, understand their role, understand the pressures and pain points they're under, um, and really have kind of that empathetic approach where uh, I can build good foundational relationships. And I think that's carried me a, a long way in my career. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I, I do the same thing. Um, there's a couple of people in the audience right now who I will always call for advice. So yeah. I, I hear you. Um, what about you, Lori? I think for me, it was and I never said no to an opportunity that came in front of me. Um, I, you know, every once in a while, I kind of have like a career path that I wanted, you know, wanted to follow. Um, but the things that brought me to today were, were taking the opportunities that I never could have uh, written down on paper. Um, so I, I think back to moments like this is years ago now, but I was asked, I had a baby, I was coming back from mat leave. I had like really, I was a brand marketer and uh, where I worked asked me if I wanted to start the digital marketing department. I knew nothing about digital marketing, nothing at all at this time. Um, and I said, yes, because I knew it was an opportunity that would give me new skills, new experiences, I'll admit even some failures. And and so I took it. So even that I was scared, I didn't know if I would be successful, Uh, but whenever I was given an opportunity, if someone thought that I was up for a challenge, I took it. And those are the moments, um, those are the moments that I think really brought me now here where uh, kind of having the opportunity of lifetime, especially as in Canadian marketing, which is building brands Canadian made brands from the ground up. So I think when I said yes, all these opportunities, it was often having the opportunity to build something from scratch. And so I think that has then, you know, all brought me to where I was today. So I would say like never really, you know, if someone believes in you, if someone puts something in front of you, even if you're nervous or don't think you can do it, like take it on, take it on. Yeah. I mean, Google's your best friend, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then I think like for me, a lot of, and then it wasn't necessarily all figuring out myself. It's in like surrounding yourself with incredibly smart people who are smarter than you and, and, and working with them to figure it out. I I really, really believe in surrounding yourself with super smart people who are experts in their areas and kind of figuring things out together. Which I I guess I single-handedly did it. um, (laughs) Well, no, but um, I mean, that's very, I feel like that's a very woman thing of you to say, like, I didn't do it all. Like it was part of a team. I feel like a man would have just taken all the credit. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but I guess that goes back to what Mel was saying of, you know, find the right people that you can kind of trust and uh, go back to if if you ever have any questions. Like, I mean, I, God, I, I would be nowhere without my, uh, the people that I have on speed dial with all of the many questions I have every day. So I love <laughs> That's that. Amazing. That's amazing. You have all those great people. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. <laughs> um, well, for anyone in the audience who is thinking about getting into cannabis or I guess cannabis beverages or even CPG, do you have any advice? Um, you know, people that are looking for jobs or even maybe looking to make a change. Yeah, I think 
Oh, say Mel, you go. No, you go first. <laughs> this is also if you the start, very if you like cannabis, you start with the passion for cannabis. That's fantastic. Um, I love to see people who are part of this industry because they believe in the power of this plant. And I think we need a lot of those people in this industry. So that's a wonderful place to start. And then it's all kind of goes back to what I talked about before about like, what, what fills you up? What's your unique skill set? You know, so, so, you know, there's so, you know, can, cannabis is a plant, but there's so many career paths. Are you passionate about educate, educating people? And it might be, you know, it'd be in a retail space or an education type role. You know, are you really, really passionate about sales? You know, are you passionate about retail? So I think it's, you start with that, that, that passion for the plant and then really think about what your unique skills are because this industry needs, I mean, there's just countless roles um, and everyone's building um, and you can work for a company like ours and we're, you know, LP licensed producer, there's retailers, there's the regulatory space. So it's really melding that passion with like, what fills you up and what are you uniquely, uh, what, what are your strengths? What are you really great at? Yeah, yeah and I would say great. pairing that with um, with the company's values, like Lori said earlier. So really understanding yeah. what you're hoping to get out of the experience and what you're hoping to bring to the industry and, and trying to make sure that the company that, um, you know, you're, you're approaching or, or exploring is aligned with that. So, you know, one thing that I really loved about Trust is that, um, they had a very, very clear strategy, hyper-focused on beverages. We are beverage experts, not cannabis generalists. Um, the industry moves really, really fast. Um, you know, so prepare to, to be agile and open-minded. I mean, even though Trust has a very clear North Star and a very clear strategy with where we're, we're going, um, don't be too precious about a specific plan or the execution because it's definitely going to change. And so I think if you're a little bit too set in your ways or, you know, too precious about an idea or a plan, uh, you're bound to be disappointed. So in general, make sure the company aligns with kind of your values and what you're hoping to get out of the experience. And then really just be open-minded because I can't tell you how many times we have pivoted and changed course over the past two years. And that is with a very clear strategy, um, which I would say doesn't necessarily exist uh, in every cannabis company. So just be really mindful of that. Yeah, the road is definitely not linear. No roads are no. really linear, <laughs> whether you think about your personal career path or the growth of a company or anything like that. So that's a great takeaway. Yeah. And in cannabis, the road is very, very long and we're only at the beginning. So that's the other thing. Like it, it's kind of, it definitely is a marathon. And yeah. so um, um, we have a lot of work to do together in this industry and kind of develop in the way that, that, that we want it to and to get it to its full potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, the last question that I always ask is what are your favorite spots in Toronto? Ooh. This could be like restaurants, could be a park, could be anything. Like, where do you love to spend your time in the city? Uh, I'll, I'll go first, and it's it's top of mind because I was there this weekend. But one of my absolute favorite spots in the city is the Cheese Boutique on Ripley Avenue. 
Um, I'm a huge food, food fan, uh, cheese fan in general. And I just, I love the experience there. I could literally spend hours uh, and hundreds of dollars every time I go. Um, I love that the cheese vault, they've got shop dogs that are around there. It's just, it's one of my favorite places to be, to get inspired and really explore different ingredients and, and, you know, things that you don't come across every day. So it's a, it's a definitely one of my happy places in the city. I love the cheese boutique so much. <laughs> so yeah, much. There really is nothing like it. Very true. Laurie, what about you? I'm going to go clothes and then bar. So um, for clothes, I love Hoibo in the distillery. Sarah is an unbelievable designer. So and doing incredibly unique things in the right way. I love horses atelier, also female designers out of Toronto the best jumpsuits ever. I love my jumps. I love a jumpsuit. And then uh, for cocktail bar, a little uh, famous last words, this little bar in the junction. I live in the junction. It's a literary themed artisanal cocktail bar. Um, so love going there and can't wait till um, patio Tio opens again May 1st because I will be there on the patio. Oh, great. This sounds great. I love Worth Italia. I actually have one of their jumpsuits. I almost wore it today, funnily enough, but just annoying every time I pee I have to take off the whole thing and it becomes a problem <laughs> if this was um, on video I would have worn one <laughs> <laughs> amazing um cool well that that just about covers it um I you know thank you guys so much for for having this chat there was some amazing takeaways um definitely for me so yeah thank you thank you so awesome. much this thanks really for having us